Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. It's hard to understate how important Faith Radio is to me right now. The whole world seems to be falling away from faith. I can count on you guys. And unadulterated, no apologizing. I just am so in tune with what you guys are doing and preaching. If this were to go away, I don't know what I'd do. It's it's a self-defense mechanism. If Faith Radio went away and I didn't support it, shame on me. Well, how, how can you not? You can't outgive God. Go ahead and try, and that's what I try and do. It's my duty as a Christian to help spread the word. You know, God put that on my heart. You get worn down by the news of the world and how bad things are. And Faith Radio changes that every day. It gives you hope. It gives you something to uh, to hope in, to pray for, and it's soul cleansing. It helps clear out all the bad stuff that people try and tell you, all the negative stuff, all the wrong stuff, you know, all the demonic stuff, all that, that, that people try and get you to believe is okay now. No, it's not okay. <laughs> it's not okay. If you're in a bad mood, Listen to Faith Radio for a while, and the Holy Spirit gets flowing through you, and it changes. Changes for the better. When you think about the concept of orientation, what comes to mind? What does it mean to be rightly oriented to reality, rightly oriented to God, rightly oriented to self, rightly oriented to others? And then what does it mean to be disoriented? I mean, have you ever gotten to a place where you're just totally disoriented? You can't tell up from down or um, in from out. I'm thinking of being lost in a fog, maybe adrift, wandering around in the woods without a sense of which direction to go. The times in which we live can be very disorienting. And it seems as if many people in the world are abandoning the things of the faith, abandoning the foundation that holds, denying reality as it truly is. Faith Radio is here to reorient you to the truth, which is an amazing reality. And we want not only to preserve this ministry, but we want to extend it to reach more and more people, people who are frankly disoriented and wandering around in a world of disorienting teachings. So we'd love for you to help us. What's the motivation to give? Well, Steve describes two motivations. One would be to try to outgive God, which I suspect speaks a little bit to Steve's competitive spirit. But he also talks about duty, and he embraces his duty to spread the good news. A great commissionary is one way to think about it. As recipients of the Great Commission, we then go forth to share the good news of the gospel with others. So ask yourself, what does Faith Radio do for me? What does listening to Faith Radio do in me? Why do I listen? Steve says for him, it's soul cleansing, mood changing, and spirit renewing. So he wants to extend those gifts to others by giving to Faith Radio. You could join Steve and others right now in supporting Faith Radio by calling or texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or online at MyFaithRadio.com. Here's an encore presentation of Mornings with Carmen, normally heard weekdays on Faith Radio. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio.
morning again or good day or good evening depending on when and where you're listening and and how you're listening so good morning to those of you listening live to mornings with carmen on the faith radio network and maybe good afternoon to those of you listening to the rebroadcast at myfaithradio.com or those of you listening you know tonight tomorrow this evening i guess in your experience um via the faith radio app i know all places all things to all people there you go Today is the 15th of March, 315, the date on which Julius Caesar was assassinated in 44 BC and therefore known as the Ides of March. Beware the Ides of March. Um, It is a day uh, upon which we talk about betrayal. And uh, among Christians, you know, there's no greater betrayal to discuss than the betrayal of Jesus with a kiss by one of his own disciples. So his name is Judas Iscariot. I would uh, direct your attention to Luke chapter 22 today on this Ides of March. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near. It's called the Passover. The chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put Jesus to death because they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, and he went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray Jesus to them. You know, they were glad and they agreed to give him money, so he consented and sought an opportunity to betray Jesus to them in the absence of a crowd. So then we have uh, in Luke uh, chapter 22, the celebration of the Passover, Jesus um, sends Uh, disciples to prepare, and then um, they sit at table together. He institutes the Lord's Supper. There is a conversation about who is the greatest. Jesus then um, foretells Peter's denial, um, and and you think that's as bad as it's going to get, right? And then Jesus goes on to, um, to talk about how Scripture must be fulfilled, They walk together to the Mount of Olives where Jesus is praying, and you know this prayer. You know Jesus kneeling, having moved a stone's throw from the disciples and kneeling down and praying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven. This is picking up at verse 43 in Luke chapter 22. There appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. Being in agony, he prayed even more earnestly. His sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And while he was still speaking with them, there came a crowd. The man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When those who were around him saw saw what would follow, they said, Lord, should we strike with a sword? One of them actually struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Peter said, no more of this. He touched the man's ear and healed him. 
Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple and the elders who had come out against him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? I've been with you every day in the temple, and you didn't lay a hand on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. The chapter goes on to account for um, the events that follow. I encourage you to read the entirety of Luke chapter 22 on this Ides of March, this day that we talk about bewaring uh, betrayal, even among those closest to us or by those closest to us, which, by the way, is the only kind of person who can really betray you, is a person uh, whom you dearly love. Tomorrow is 316. Just think about that for a moment. What do you know that includes the numbers 3 and 16? And you say to yourself, I know John 316. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I know something that has the number 316. Tomorrow's Gospel Day. So on this Ides of March, as we recognize the betrayal and the denial of Jesus, We also recognize the gospel is coming. Hope rises. It is on the horizon. We're going to talk next about how we as great commissioned people can extend the gospel even into places and spaces where we cannot physically go. It's the Ministry of Global Media Outreach. We've talked about it before, but specifically we're going to focus in on what is happening in Ukraine and how people are awakening to the hope of Jesus. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jamie Radke is a name that may be known to you from um, a variety of places. She is currently serving as the chief growth officer of Global Media Outreach, but you may recognize her as the founder and president of Grow Your Outreach. It's a company designed to help nonprofits and churches grow their reach and expand their impact. You may know her as the person who founded We Believe, a digital outreach program to engage young adults in spiritual conversations about life or you may know her as uh, uh, as the as the head of Explore God, whose website reached an online audience of more than 18 million people in over 80 countries in just the last, I don't know, let's see, I, my math is bad, but not very long, since 2013. I know, that's how bad my math is, Jamie. Nine years, in the last nine years. Jamie Radke joins us now in her role as the Chief Growth Officer of Global Media Outreach and my new friend. Jamie, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, thank you. It's so great to be here. It's wonderful to have you um, join us today. I I just want to start with this. So how many gospel presentations um, and or discipleship encounters, however you want to frame that, have you guys seen in Ukraine since February the 24th? Well, we have seen over 26,000 indicated decisions for Christ um, since February 24th. Um, so a little over a thousand a day is, you know, between a thousand wow. and 1300 a day. So obviously only the Holy spirit knows each heart, but the fact that we've had over 26,000 people say, I, I want to know Christ as my Lord and savior, um, is pretty incredible. 
That's amazing. I mean, that's amazing. That's like, you know, Acts chapter two kind of growth. I mean, God adding to their number every single day, those who are being saved. Um, And there are people wondering right now, how is that happening? Because this is a place that's in chaos. It's hard to imagine that there are, you know, crusade events going on where people are gathering together in, um, in stadiums. So how is it that Global Media Outreach is able to reach into the darkness, um, the despair, the places that are cut off from everyone else? Like, remind us how this works. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was telling my husband last night on TV, you can literally watch the war unfold on on social platforms like TikTok or Instagram um, or YouTube. And those are the types of platforms, whether it's Google or Facebook or Instagram, that we are likewise able to reach into Ukraine and share the gospel with people, the Ukrainian people, with Russian soldiers, um, while they are in Ukraine, while they're sitting in bomb shelters, while they're sitting in their homes, afraid to go out, we are able to, they're on the internet, right? I mean, you don't have anything better to do besides stay stay safe, stay bunkered down. Um, and they're looking for answers on the internet about a variety of things. And one of the things they're coming across is the gospel of Jesus. So um, I'm, let's say I'm, you know, I'm, I'm scrolling a particular social media feed. Um, the, you know, the secret ways in which that works, somehow it knows what I'm really feeling and looking for. I don't really know. I mean, I'll tell you if I'm scrolling in the middle of the night, right, I get meditation apps like as uh, ads on the side of my screen, right? They they know you're awake. They know you're up. um, They know what you're looking for. They know what you need, you know, feeling anxiety. Like So that's happening. And a person then sees an invitation on their screen um, that maybe is simply a question like, you know, got hope or need hope or want hope or something like that. Um, and they click on it. What happens? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, we're running, need, you know, needs based or felt need ads on what it, are you struggling with anxiety or loneliness? Are you worried about your future? You know, any of those ads that would be obviously very appropriate if you're in the situation, the unfortunate situation that the Ukrainians are in. And they click on the ad and it takes them to a landing page where they can be presented with the gospel. And then um, they have the opportunity to be connected with one of our online missionaries where they can have back and forth conversations to ask the questions that they have, uh, to be able to be connected with a digital Bible, to be able to have devotionals. And a lot of these online missionaries of ours, uh, you know, are in Eastern Europe and they are, they are, or some of them have escaped, are in Ukraine. And so they're, they are talking with on, volunteer online missionaries that are a lot of them local to the region of where they live. Yeah, I'm going to invite you when we come back to um, share with us the um, Alexander story, recognizing that the, the name may have been changed to preserve the privacy of the individual. Um, but Jamie Radke is going to share a good news story directly out of Ukraine Um, What was this person searching for when the bombs started to fall? And then what did he ultimately find? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
Continuing our conversation with Jamie Radke from Global Media Outreach. You can find the ministry at globalmediaoutreach.com. You can also watch the interactive map, one of my favorite things to do, recognizing that that's really only aggregating the information um, for people engaging on platforms that Google is counting. So there's a lot more going on than what you're going to see at the map, um, which is at witness2all.com, witness2all.com. But let me tell you, watching the little flags go up on witness2all.com makes my heart sing. I simply celebrate that people are discovering the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that's what you're going to like see happen in real time, watching the map at witness2all.com. I recognize it's only a partial representation of what's going on through global, global media outreach, but it's significant. And so I encourage you to check that out. If you just, you just want to celebrate with the Holy Spirit and with Christians that the gospel is going forth right now um, through the giving of Christians who want to share their faith, but, you know, aren't going to leave their home to do it. They're going to use technology to reach into the hearts um, and the darkness uh, that others are experiencing. So, Jamie, tell us um, the story of um, Alexander. This was a really powerful story, and we did switch the name just for safety and protection, but they... This was a, a gentleman who, a young gentleman who was actually in a bomb shelter, um, you know, for safety purposes. And, you know, uh, this is amazing that they still have access to internet with all that's going on around them. And he was on the internet and saw one of our ads. I'm not sure if it was an ad on, do you need hope or are you full of anxiety? But he clicked on that ad and he got connected with one of our volunteer online missionaries from Eastern Europe. And he started talking about how he was in a bomb shelter and how he did not feel safe in the shelter he was in and started expressing his worry and his concern like anybody would be in that situation. And our online missionary was ta- was able to talk to them about the shelter you can go to where you can feel safe at all times, where you can feel peace, um, no matter what the circumstances are, and started to tell him about the shelter of Jesus Christ. And uh, they had a long conversation. He accepted Christ as his savior. And, and they have now that connection. Anytime he reaches out, he'll be able to talk to that very same online missionary anytime he reaches back out to us. And it's been really amazing. Like you were talking about the map just a minute ago, when I pulled up the map of the 26,000 indicated decisions, you can see the dots all over the map. But what's really amazing is, you know, these cities that you're hearing about on the news, Kharkiv and Kiev and Lviv and Odessa, you can see like a concentration of dots in those city areas of people making decisions for Christ, as well as in the rural areas as well. But it's like, it's that connection. You're hearing the city names on the news, and then you're seeing the concentrations of decisions being made in the cities. It's an amazing to see how God is working in the midst of, of war, you know? Absolutely. Um, Vladimir Putin may be playing an unconscious role in revival. I mean, it's one of the things, I mean, I've been praying for revival, um, and I know that it happens in ways that uh, often surprise. I know that God uses what some mean for evil to turn to good. Um, I know that people turn to God um, when 
their own sense of the resources they've been depending on runs out. Um, and I just I just want to see um, I want to see global revival. And if it starts in Ukraine, then it starts in Ukraine. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, you know, would tell your listeners to, to pray for the revival that's taking place everywhere. I mean, when we look at global media outreach, we're able to penetrate into every country, like every single country and territory on, on the globe. And the beauty of it for doing this through the internet and doing, sharing the gospel through the internet and connecting them with online missionaries through the internet is we don't have to put any lives at risk. You know, we can share the gospel with these volunteer online missionaries. We can answer questions and we don't have to put lives at risk. The missionaries or the people there locally. Right. I mean, if you're if you're a Muslim person living in a Middle Eastern country, it's a it's a big deal to make a decision for Christ. And it would even put their life at risk. And so that's the beauty of um, what global media outreach is able to do through the through the help, obviously, of all our giving partners. So um, remind us, because there's an efficiency related to this that's pretty extraordinary. Technology itself is pretty efficient, but this um, global media outreach, talk with people about the the multiplier here. You know, like um, give give the translation of, you know, what does it cost really to reach a person with the gospel through global media outreach? Um, And then maybe translate that into some bigger numbers, you know, with with $10,000, I can reach how many people? Or with $1,000, I can reach how many people? Like, help us understand the numbers a little bit. Yeah, so um, we are able to share the gospel and do a gospel presentation for about 10 cents. 10 cents per gospel presentation. And so what we're averaging right now on a daily basis is about three to 400,000 gospel presentations per day. Um, those three to 400,000 gospel presentations every 24 hours um, ends up being about 40,000 indicated decisions every 24 hours, and then about 4,000 new contacts that we get for discipleship. So it's an amazing multiplier for only 10 cents, the results that you see. So you can imagine, you know, for $100, for example, that's 1,000 gospel presentations that we're able to do to reach people all over the world. And in fact, last year alone, we had one and a half million people we discipled, but we had over 18 million decisions for Christ across the globe. Um, There's people shaking their heads. People are shaking their heads because, I mean, I'm aware of these numbers, but they are astounding. Um, And it's it's real. These are real numbers. Um, And I think people need to know that as well. Jamie, um, I love this ministry. You know that. Um, And so please encourage the rest of the GMO team today. Thank you for sharing this part of the story. We want to direct people to the website, globalmediaoutreach.com, and you can watch the, uh, watch the map. And every time you see a little flag go up, you know, you got another brother or sister in Christ. You got a person who's being discipled. There's a, um, there's a person out there investigating uh, the word of God. Like I just, it, it just warms my heart. So let's pray for the online missionaries. Let's pray for the team at GMO. Um, and let's pray that the gospel would go forth. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Today, I'm hungry and I'm ready for change. I run too far to still be the same.
We had the opportunity to talk with Rick Morton um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, He serves with Lifeline Children's Services as their vice president of engagement. But Rick is also a pastor. Um, He's grown his own family through adoption. He is an author of lots of resources related to um, orphanology, like actually thinking about um, orphans and the way we should think about it. Um, And and how we as Christians um, can actually be fully equipped for a ministry, a life um, that includes people who were not, you know, genetically born to us, but but into uh, into relationship with whom we are called in Christ. And so we've invited Rick uh, back today. We're going to talk about the response of Lifeline Children's Services to the orphan crisis in Ukraine and uh, on the challenge being faced there and how they're engaging with that. But we're also going to dig around a little more with him um, just on the topic of adoption in general. Um, We're going to get personal about his own family. Should be a good conversation. Rick Morton, up next here on Mornings with Carmen. We've invited Rick Morton back. You can find him at lifelinechild.org. Rick, thanks for coming back. Carmen, thanks for having me. So um, bring us up to speed. We're hearing we're hearing terrible stories. The numbers are incredible. 1.5 million children, um, a part of the refugee flow already out of Ukraine. We've heard stories of trafficking. We've um, we've heard, you know, stories of children with special needs who obviously are at increased risk. Um, you know, what are you hearing? What are the stories that you're um, not only hearing but passing along and telling? Well, Carmen, I think the toll that this war is taking on children is uh, epic in nature. I mean, in addition to the 1.5 million children that you're talking about that are displaced out of the out of the country. Uh, UNICEF is now estimating that there are two and a half million children that are displaced within Ukraine. So fully more than 50 percent of the children in Ukraine are displaced out of their homes at this point. And I think part of the the crisis that's really not being talked about a lot here is for those of us that work in child welfare, um, we talk in terms a lot about adverse child experiences and, and I think the long-reaching effects of the trauma that is being inflicted on children at this point, um, and this war is stalled. I mean, it's, it, it's going nowhere fast. And, and so these are looking to be long-term situations that are going to really come to bear on the development of children and, and on, their, you know, on their most formative years. And, and so we, that, that doubles down our reason for, for needing to be involved and, and needing to press in uh, as much as we possibly can. For folks who are thinking right now, all right, I'm praying, um, what else can I do? What, is, you know, what are your top two or three answers to that question? It's a great question. I, I think in the, in the moment, um, certainly we, we want to pray. And, and I think we, you know, at a time like this, we realize how much of the, the epic nature of this crisis has placed it outside of our hands. And so we want to, we want to trust God to, to bring solutions to bear and, and to mobilize the church into doing the, the right things. Uh, second thing I think I would say is to, to give to reputable ministries that are, 
that have a proven track record and and reputable ministries that will protect children. We've already heard stories of uh, situations where where traffickers with bad intent have gone in and preyed on the vulnerability of children that are displaced from Ukraine. Uh, I think one of the scary parts of this is is a lot of well-meaning, well-intentioned people uh, who are who are doing things to bring harm. We heard a story last week uh, of a group of fifty orphans that were brought out of Ukraine out of a private orphanage, and someone who was trying to move them and and was trying to make these children available for adoption. Um, and, and right now, at, at this point in the crisis, adoption is not the proper question. Uh, we don't know whether these children, many of them are true orphans or, or not at this point. We don't know uh, many are separated from their parents, and, and, and we really don't know the status. And, and so we need to be prepared to do things like foster care, where we bring trained, resourced, um, well-prepared people to provide temporary care and to provide safety and stability for these children. Uh, but, but we don't need to be thinking, I think, in terms of, of uh, you know, permanent solutions at this point, because we really just don't know uh, the long-term status of, of many of these children. And then finally, just the humanitarian crisis that is a part of this. So providing food, clothing, and shelter for those both that are uh, that, that have come out of Ukraine and, and are, have become refugees, but those that are displaced within the country. And so here at Lifeline, we're really trying to work on both uh, supplying the needs of Ukrainians who have, have fled the conflict into another country, but also trying to mobilize supplies back into areas where people have been displaced. So into the West and, and into the southern part of Ukraine, where, where folks have fled internally in the country. We're talking with Rick Morton from Lifeline Child Services, uh, lifelinechild.org. Um, Rick, when you think about what these children are experiencing, I mean, we know kids are resilient, but trauma is real. Um, privation is real. Fear is real. And it has long-term consequences. Can you can you talk a little bit about what you know about children um, and how we might be not only praying specifically, but um, how we might be thinking about the resources that are going to be needed, not just today, but into the future related to this. Carmen, in the, in the 21st century, part of what we have come to understand is a deeper level of how we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think God has, has allowed us to live in an age where we can see uh, through functional MRI scans and, and through other means, we can see how the brain develops. We can understand more about our physiology than we ever have been been able to understand before. And, and part of what we know is that trauma, specifically trauma that happens in early in life during those formative years and, and through our childhood, has very real consequences that are that are both um, chemical, but also are physiological. And so literally, it's not an overstatement to say that adverse child experiences and, and early trauma affects the way that the brain develops. And, and so what we have to understand about the things that are happening to children in Ukraine today and children that, are, that have been displaced out of Ukraine today is that these very scary experiences and their lack of felt safety are going to have consequences for their lifetime. 
we're blessed to understand, uh, or not really understand, not uh, actually that that there is that the the idea of resilience, and and so some children fare better than others in that. But but there's there's sort of a universal pattern that um, th- that really affects all of development. One of the things that we've seen for years in in working with children, particularly older children and children that have come out of really complex circumstances, is that trauma really has an effect even on their cognitive development it has a it has an effect on their ability to to reason and and to problem solve well and uh, it has it has effects on their learning and so uh, part of what what i think we have to begin to prepare ourselves to do now is to pour the resources into ukraine and the surrounding countries over the years that that are to follow so that so that we're addressing uh, the trauma that's occurring now and, and really helping families to know how to parent well so that, that they don't exacerbate the trauma of their children and, and that the support services around, so the church and the school and, and, and all of these other social in, uh, institutions that come around children are prepared to meet their differences that have been created as a result of the trauma. Mm. So helpful. All right. We're talking with Dr. Rick Morton. Um, He shepherds the Lifelines Outreach to Individual Church and Organizational Ministry Partners, as well as the ministry's commitment to publishing resources that aid families and churches in discipling orphans and vulnerable children. Um, You can find him at lifelinechild.org. Rick, when we come back, can we talk about the Families Count um, mentor training that's available on your site? Because I think that one of the questions people frequently ask is, you know, how can I help families at risk in my own community? How can I um, be, you know, the, the kind of Christian in a congregation that comes around families that are at risk in my own, in my own town, in my own place? Can we talk about uh, families count? Absolutely. And that, that'll be an exciting conversation for us to have. All right, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, we're talking with Dr. Rick Morton. You can find what we're talking about at lifelinechild.org. This Families Count mentor training that's free on your website caught my attention. So can you talk with us a little bit about families count and um, and how we can be involved in our own congregations um, in this, you know, in this ministry effort? Carmen, the, the story of families count actually begins uh, with Lifeline working in the foster care space in general. And so we, like a lot of other ministries around the country, uh, delved in a number of years ago to, to begin to Uh, help to recruit and and train and mobilize families into foster care. I think the deeper we got into foster care as a ministry, the more we really became under conviction from the Lord that we were were only addressing uh, a part of the problem, really only addressing half of the problem. And and so there was was a deep realization on our part that um, we were spending a lot of effort bringing the gospel to bear in the lives of children who were caught up in the child welfare system, but we were not addressing the the parents and the family system uh, with the gospel as well. And and realizing that that part of the complexity of the foster care system 
in especially here in the United States is that um, the goal of the foster care system is to send children home and for them to be reunified with their their birth families and, and that some of the greatest damage that happens to children is this cycle of impermanence that takes place when children are bounced from foster care placement back to home back to foster care placement back into their home again and and this this cycle that goes on over and over and over again and the root cause of that is actually that there's no transformation that's taking place in the lives of the child's parents and and so really we sort of pull back and said you know there's a there's a sense here in which we're not really respecting what Paul has said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where he talks about the fact that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. So we believe that the gospel has power right here and right now. It's not just about life with Christ and, and, and reconciliation with the Lord you know, forever in the sweet by and by. There's, there's transformative power in the gospel today, and, and that as the ambassadors of that, that ministry that the Lord has given us, we're God's representatives. We, we have to be representing the gospel into the lives of these families. And so what rose up out of that conviction was um, a realization that, that there's, a, there's a part of the system that exists uh, almost universally across the U.S., which is that there are parenting classes that are, that are part of families' uh, case plan in order to work toward getting their children back or in, in order to work toward keeping their children at home when they've entered the, the child welfare system. And so what we, what we really found is that these classes provide an opportunity for the church to do what the church is, is really great in, to, to teach in small groups, to provide child care, to provide transportation, to provide meals, uh, but also to do that in a forum where we're teaching biblically-based, gospel-centered parenting classes that point parents over and over back to the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ and point to, to God's heart and God's design for the family. And they're doing that in an environment where the church is raising up mentors that are walking with these parents week in and week out, really helping them to process what it is that they're learning, but helping them to, to understand how to apply that into their context. And and I think we, you know, what we have observed in this is, is that many of these parents are failing because, because they're caught in generational cycles of poverty and abuse and neglect. They, they don't know how to, um, how to do differently with their children. And really what they need is the, the caring, consistent presence of people who will, who will teach and who will model and who will mentor them, um, and, and they need that in the context of a changed life, a life that's been made over by Christ. And, and so the, the story of Families Count is that where uh, these parenting classes, quite honestly, are a concept that, that are not respected within the, the child welfare system at large. It's sort of one of those things that everybody does, but nobody believes in. But what we've seen happen is that when the church gets involved and when the church brings um, just being the body of Christ to bear and, and when the gospel is present in those, in those situations, we've seen incredible success. And so what's been really fun about this is to see the, the way that, that the governments and, and other people in positions of authority in child welfare have really come to rely on the church and have come to respect the church um, as a partner with the church prioritizes bringing the thing that we, that we ultimately have to, 
to offer, which has the greatest value. And, and so what, what's kind of happened in this is that many times I think we, we get the message that we, we need to sort of soft pedal the gospel or put it on the back burner in order to be accepted in, in those wider circles and, and in circles of government. But the truth is we've seen just the opposite happen, that when the church brings this as a free resource to the community and says, we just want to do this to serve, and we want to bring the one thing that we have of value, which is a, which is a story that, that brings transformation in the lives of people that, um, that quite honestly, there have been very few barriers to being able to bring this sort of training um, to communities all around the United States. And so it's an incredible success story of, of fundamentally God's people just doing what it is that, uh, that God's people are called to do in, in proffering the gospel and, and providing, you know, life on life discipleship for families that have just been very far from that for all of their lives. Yeah, we, we, we don't know what, what we don't know. Like it's hard to, um, project a vision of what your family should look like or could look like or could be like if you were raised in um, without an intact family. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine, you know, sitting down and sharing uh, an evening meal together consistently with your family if you literally never grew up with a table in your house. I mean, like, I mean, it's or right. with a or with a person who consistently provided food and, you know, and actually served it. I mean, it, 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 I think that we imagine that everybody grew up like we grew up and that's just not true. Um, and the way that I grew up and the way that you grew up may be very, very different. Um, Mm -hmm. but somehow I imagine that because we're in church together, we all grew up exactly the same way. And that's just foolishness. I mean, it really is when you just sit down for one second and think about it. So we can't imagine becoming what we've never seen. And so I think that part of what you're talking about is letting people experience um, our families modeling what family can look like, what it can look like to live together in peace and mutual respect, where, you know, we have generationally different ages of disciples, all mutually encouraging one another. Yes, parents being mm-hmm. parents, and but children being, um, you know, brought up, I mean, actually like discipled, and that this mutual discipleship thing is ultimately what we as Christians, you know, like recognize. Like I recognize that my kids, yeah, they're kids, but they're also fellow believers. I'm going to spend eternity with them, and in eternity, everybody catches up with everybody else. Like, it's not like, you know, I'm always going to be your older sister in Christ. Like, right? At some point, we're just mm-hmm. sisters in Christ. And that growing into that um, is something that has to be modeled and experienced. I, I just, I love what you're doing. I, I just really appreciate it. Carmen, let me let me share a story with you. And I think this kind of illustrates the, the sorts of things that happen in Families Count. So we had uh, a co-leader couple, Families Count, the classes are actually taught by married couples that are that are there to really model marriage and family uh, to the the folks that are that are coming to the class. And and by the way, these are not always families who have had their children removed by CPS. These can be families that are referred there by the church. And so the church sees that there needs to be some family strengthening that happens. And this is a great forum for that. At other times, these are families that that this is a preventative 
And, and so child welfare or the courts have recommended that families take these classes because they're trying to keep them out of the system and, and, and really trying to head off what they see as problems. But there was a, a particular church that, w- that had a class going on, and in one of the classes, they were talking about uh, conflict resolution in, in families. And, um, and so at the end of the class, one of the participants came up to the wife and, and said to her, I don't believe what you're saying. She said, I, I don't believe I, that, that, you, that you resolve conflict in your home the way that you're telling us. I just don't believe that's possible. And, and so they, they talked for a few minutes. And finally, the young lady just almost dared uh, the family's count leader and said, well, okay, if this is true, then the next time you have a conflict like this, I want to come to your house and I want to see the two of you fight. Um, and so, honestly, the 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 co-leaders talked about it a little bit and said, you know, actually, that probably is something that she she should see. And so they uh, reached a point on a weekend where they were sort of crossways with each other about an issue that they were trying to resolve in their family. And and they they sort of stopped and held the discussion. They went and picked her up. They brought her in. They said, sit down on the couch and mm. be quiet. They they worked through the conflict and and they and they resolved it like they always do, and mm-hmm. and they turned around and found this young lady and she was literally in tears on their couch, and and what she said was she said I have never seen two people have an argument where one of them didn't end up throwing mm-hmm. things or angry or screaming. And I've never seen a conflict where, where someone didn't leave and never come back. Mm. And, and I think the power of um, God's people opening our lives and, and giving uh, a window into what the, what the transformation of the gospel produces in our hearts and in our homes so is good. just an incredibly winsome opportunity to, to affect some people that just, quite honestly, are really far from our churches. The, the, Carmen, the fun part about this is, is that, that these folks are literally being invited to our door. We don't have to go find them. Um, the, the community hey, Rick, is gotta... helping us find them. It's so yeah. great. I, I just love it. I, I just so appreciate <laughs> it. We're completely out of time. You guys can find the Families Count Mentor Training at lifelinechild.org. You can also connect there with Dr. Rick Morton. Thank you so much for joining the conversation today. Dr. Peter Kapsner will be um, here with you tomorrow. I'm going to go check up on my parents. Thanks for your prayers and grace as I travel. Have a grace day and God bless. I'm Carmen LeBurge. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. Make your gift at MyFaithRadio.com.